and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and well the first segment of this uh, weird weird season has come to an end with a nil-nil draw against Stoke last Saturday and now uh, attention turns at least to the international break, uh, a boring international break, I'm sure, if it's anything like the most recent round of international fixtures we had. Uh, joining me on this podcast to look back on Stoke and the season so far. First, uh, he's the self-professed interesting person on this podcast. Uh, welcome back to Mark and Chudley. Thank you for addressing me by my correct title. <laughs> Much appreciated. Uh, no problem. You know, once you make it known, you may as well carry on that way. Also joining me and Micah uh, on this week's podcast is the, well, he once said he was the co-host of this podcast, so that's also pretty self-professed as well, uh, is Dan Lambert. Hello, hello, good to be back. Yeah. Oh, back on. Lovely stuff. Um, now, Dan, I know you made it to the game on Saturday, so just sum up what uh, unfolded in front of us in 30 seconds, if you can actually fill 30 seconds with events from the game, that is. Um, well, well, firstly, obviously, it was a goal line, uh, a goalless draw, um, but I actually enjoyed it more so from a from a tactical point of view than than the, the normal person. But yeah, it was quite end to end at times. Um, first half, they got the better of us. Um, second half, Bill reacted to to kind of their strengths, and then yeah, I mean, we I thought we were going to score second half, but keeper pulled off a, a good few saves. So um, no, I enjoyed the game to be fair. Yeah, I guess um, it wasn't sort of, I'm not going to say it was an abnormal nil-nil. Um, I think I'm guilty of sort of remembering only the highlights that I've just watched before coming on the podcast because actually in the game I quite enjoyed it and after the match I wasn't really um, disappointed with a nil-nil draw. There was plenty of positives, like I said, in the second half and I felt like if any team was going to nick it, um, balance of play, we probably had the better chances. Uh, so, team headlines, one change. Tim uh, was out and Dazelle came in. Uh, so, during half-time and throughout the game, we're all messing each other in our group chat. And, Micah, you mentioned about changes to the team and changes to the squad and stuff like that. Um bring this up. So, like, well, it's a, it's a valid point. Bill made a big song and dance about learning lessons from Swansea. Um and, you know, to rotate the side is what we're going to do from now on. Now we've got injured players back and stuff like that. And then you make one change. Was that significant enough to be ca- to be counted as, you know, rotating? Or did it not really count so much? I, I hear the argument, you know, that you want to, like, you want a regular team and you, you want to build that rhythm. And I think at this point in the season, that's important. Um. I just saw, because I didn't see the game at the time, I watched it back on Bank Holiday Monday. I just saw a lot of people saying that, oh, the team in the first half just looked a bit knackered. They looked a bit lethargic. Um, That could be for a number of reasons, to be fair. But obviously, you know, um, to not play for a week and then to play, what, twice in about four days, five days, you know, that that can be a lot to ask at times. so, so I, I was quite surprised to see only the only the one change. I did think he'd rotate it a little bit more, but yeah, yeah. Um, the kind of I don't want to say it's an excuse because I don't think 
well, I don't think he's really using it as an excuse so far, but tiredness can't really be brought out as a reason to sort of justify disappointing performances all the time, can it? You know, the reality of the championship seasons, you're going to play on the weekend and in the week, most game weeks, you know, so that that's just an, a fact. You can't really be going on like this, can you? No. Uh, um, you're sorry, Michael, go on. Well, I, I was just going to say, no, nah, not really, because I think one one thing you have to remember is that every team is in the same boat. You know, like obviously the parachute teams, you know, your Burnley's, your Sheffield United's, obviously their second year down. Watford, you know, they've all got big inflated squads, but for probably 18 clubs in the championship, you're all in the same boat, really, so you just have to get on with it. Dan, what were you going to say on the matter? I was just going to say, in terms of the fitness argument, I didn't, I don't know who, who who said about the fatigue like Micah said, but I didn't think that was really an issue in the first half. I thought Stoke were just the better side. Um they they were they were quite aggressive in the way they played. Um it was quite clear we were we were happy to sit off and let the likes of Aidan Flint ping ping balls, um, which I thought he was successful in the first half. And then the second half we um we pressed a bit higher. But um yeah, I'm not too sure fatigue came into it too much. I think it'd be a different question if it was a three game week. But because it was an international break just before, uh, just after rather, and um, we only played midweek, um, I don't think fatigue was too much uh, apart for me. Yeah, um, it it didn't. I don't wouldn't I wouldn't have said that they were tired. I thought they just kind of like you said maybe okay the Stoke got the better of them, but there was a bit. It was a bit slow. I thought in first half there wasn't quite the intensity we've seen from previous games, certainly at home. Um and you know away at Mill midweek we we grew into that game after a shaky first ten minutes but there wasn't that sort of growing into the game in the first half you know in the first half really the only player for us that was turned up was Chair which he's done really since the Sunderland game he's really gone on leaps and bounds and we'll, we'll cover that uh, later on in a more sort of generic talk about what the season so far. But no one else was kind of, you know, there wasn't much energy there, apart from perhaps as well, like Ethan Laird had a pretty good chance where he just didn't sort of give up on the ball and eventually it came back to Johansson and was a pretty decent save uh, from the goalkeeper, which unfortunately was a bit of the story of the match. So there's those, I'd say there's three chances, not just the Johansson one. There's another one that I can't quite remember. I feel like there was, it was either, I think it was Ethan Laird again, perhaps, but there was a nicely worked corner that went to the back post that oh, led. Back post. Was it Pout? Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Left back. Um, and then obviously Jimmy Dunn, probably on reflection, should score. Should score. He should score. In in the ground, and I was the flag, the, flag, the flag went up. The flag went up. Was it was going up as he had the, oh, it was right. going to be offside. I was in the ground. I was uh, giving benefit of the doubt to done because of how quickly the goalkeeper came off his line and to be fair to him the goalkeeper had a fantastic game didn't he did did um he's 22 year old englishman as well so might be one to, to watch out for in the future anyone anybody that's played football manager knows joe bursich he's a proper, proper wonder kid on football manager um 
you know, all in all, I mean, you know, there's, there's criticisms to be had, but I think if you look at it, you know, Stoke started better than us. You might say we were the better team on, on the, you know, in terms of the amount of sort of time we spent on top or whatever you want, however you want to describe it. Um, but then you look at it another week, you know, we might get unlucky in that um, foul at the end. I think it's Powell. Yeah. Is it Powell? Yeah. yeah he goes rushing in, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's trying to get out the way, but as like he's trying to get out the way, he ends up tripping him up. Um, but you know, like I said, on another day we could get unlucky with that, and that's a pen, and we lose one nil. So um, for me, point six after ten games, um, I'll take it. You know, I'll take. Well, yeah, the I was going to mention the uh, penalty, and then uh, Campbell had a really good chance at the end as well that I thought was going in because it just moves at that sort of speed that for mm. some reason I just assumed was going to go in. Um, the penalties made me slightly uneasy because there was two instances of pretty similar kind of fouls, if you could say. Um, and Well, they weren't given as fouls, obviously, on the day, but uh, definitely shouldn't be giving EFL referees the opportunity to make a big decision like that, should we, you know... I just thought the power one quite easily could have been given by another referee on another day. And you know what? Fair play for the referee saying no. But if that was QPR player getting hit like that from behind, mm. probably be slightly more inclined to say that it should have been a penalty. Um, so I'm really surprised actually that he didn't give it because I thought in the moment that he would. Dan, I mean, yeah, I didn't. I, I can't really comment on the penalty. I didn't. I haven't seen a replay, but I didn't. I'm the other end of the ground, so I didn't see it um, behind all the bodies. But the only the only thing I could say on that is I wonder whether in the first half when Liam Delap completely dived. Um, yeah. I mean, I've never. I've not seen um, probably a worse a worse dive at, in this season. Uh, the level um, maybe that was in the back of the mind of the referee um, going into. It. I don't know. Uh, but I didn't definitely haven't seen the uh, the replay of the power one. Yeah, I think just power just seems to rush in like when he's just clearly not going to win the ball, uh, gets the wrong side of him and there's contact and the guy goes down. But like you know, you just shouldn't be making, you shouldn't be giving the referee the opportunity to make a decision like that, should we? Yeah, it, it was a weird one because, like you said, he goes rushing in and then I think he kind of just realises that he's rushing in and then he hesitates, tries to get out the way and swipes his leg anyway. Um, probably the only blot on what I thought was a really good game for um, for Kenneth Powell yesterday. yesterday on Saturday. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that that's, that's the type of thing you have to be careful with over the season. And they, I'm not sure they do, but they do say these things kind of even themselves out. Um, so there's a very good chance that could be us next week. Um, mm. Again, yeah, you know, win some, you lose some. We got quite lucky on the weekend, and we'll, we just have to take the point. Well, you mentioned Powell had a pretty decent game. The only other sort of blot on his record from the weekend, I'd say, would be the disallowed goal. Uh, maybe I'm looking at it uh, again on the highlights. He kind of he, he gets played around quite easily, but he doesn't have a lot of support from you know, midfield or from anyone else uh, in blue and white hoops. So, you know, you can kind of maybe let him off. But I thought in the moment that it 
I just thought, oh, blimey, like if they're going to, if they, they've got in that easily, that's quite early on in the game. We don't need that going on throughout the match, right? When Powell's sort of getting better and better on on average each game, uh, but you know it was quite rightly disallowed, so we don't really have to worry about it that much. But you know, in the moment, I thought I was quite worried about it, but after that, he had a pretty decent game again, and it wasn't really a, a threat after that. I do, I do oh. think. That's- Sorry, go on, Dan. Go on. Um, I was just going to say, I mean, I thought he had a good game. I thought that both the full-backs first half struggled with the fact that they were quite aggressive with their wing-backs. I mean, Wilmot was almost a winger at times. I think had Wilmot not been playing there and they'd had natural right wing-back, I think the power probably could have been troubled a bit more. Um, but no, he had, a, he had a decent game in fairness and he grew into it. And like you said, Millwall was his best performance of the season. And hopefully he can kind of kick on from there. Micah, you were going to say? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, Alex, I, I do think that's a valid concern because I think he's been caught in that kind of position a couple of times, caught between, you know, the, the wide player and the guy on that inside half space. I think against, against Middlesbrough for the second goal, I think he got caught for it as well. Um, but, you know, you, you, might, you might just put that down to that's just part of the system, you know, when, when your wing-backs are going to get so high, sometimes, you know, they're going to be left with two men over especially when we don't really play with wide wide players. But, um, yeah, no, the, the fullbacks, I, re- I really like the fullbacks. I think we've got two really good gems. I know it's becoming cliche to say it now, but, you know, had they been with us last season, you know, it might have been a very different end mm. to the season, really. Um, but, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. I think the team is really starting to, uh, starting to gel together, even, you know, even without scoring on Saturday. Yeah, because there's moments when we played some really good stuff, to be honest. And like at times they did try and overdo it. We, you know, me and Dan had the conversation about XG on the last uh, podcast, last whenever that went out. Um, and it felt like they were trying to do overdo it a little bit at times in the second half. There was times when you just thought, get it in the box. But also, as a side note on that, when we have Tyler Roberts up top by himself. I feel like we have less of a in-the-box presence for crosses. So is that something that we can look into slash consider? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought I thought he was decent early first half. I thought his link, his link plays very good, I think, on the level. Um, I can understand why Bill went with Roberts. A bit more of a fluid front three. You kind of don't really want to play to Aidan Flint's strengths in terms of uh, Dykes having to play aerially against him. Um, obviously, I'm sure we're touching it, but Dykes had a good, good impact second half. But um, I could see why he did it, kind of more fl- fluid front three. But it definitely was a better um, performance when we moved to a four-two-three-one, two wingers out wide, and uh, and Dykes more of a focal point. Well, you know, as soon as you've mentioned it, we may as well bring it up. And is a topic of conversation that's going to put a big smile across my face. Lyndon Dykes, come on, and really. He did make a difference, and we were much better for his introduction. Um, pretty much straight away, he made a pretty dynamic run across the back line and got in behind them. So I was really happy, even though again it resulted, it didn't result in him actually scoring any goals, but his performance was really positive. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he made an impact. I think for me with Roberts, I like Roberts as a player. I think he's really good. Um, I think he gives a, a, a dynamic that we don't really have anywhere else in the team, just in terms of that 
sort of athleticism mixed with that technical ability. Um, but for me, he, he's not a natural striker. I don't think he has that striker's instinct. And, you know, he I'm guessing really he wasn't put up there to sort of be Thierry Henry or whatever. But, like, I understand what he gives to us playing as a, as a nine, but I think we just lack a little bit, like you said, Alex, is that in-the-box presence. Um, Dykes' impact was good. I thought he had a good game. Um, for me... <laughs> It's it's a weird it's a weird one with Dykes because I think um, a lot of the times he actually has his best games for us where he doesn't score, um, which is funny because he's a striker and we need him to score. Realistically, we we need fifteen from him this season. Like if if we want to make, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll get onto expectations for the for the season. But if we want to make the playoffs, we we need him to chip in with about fifteen. Um, which I think he's capable of, to be honest with you. I don't think he's going to go a whole season not scoring. You know, he's, he's got 12 and nine for us over, I don't even know how many games he's played for us, but 12 goals and nine goals. So he's not going to go a whole season without scoring, is he? No, so, and last season before his injury, it looked like he was on track to get over 15. Yeah, so it's, it's not impossible for him. And, you know, people will have their frustrations with him. Some I think are fair. Some I think are a bit harsh, um, but it's it's like we've said on the pod countless times. Like he he's going to be our nine for the season. Like there's there's no magic money tree. There's nobody coming in in January unless we sell somebody. Like we we have to try and make it work for him. We have to put the ball in a position for him where he's going to score. Yeah, um, you know as we were saying, we quite enjoyed the game. But if you did watch the highlights on YouTube, you would have probably thought that this isn't much of a classic match considering that 10 of those seconds on that video were dedicated to just a view of the two benches at one point uh which is a pretty significant chunk of time when the video is only like two minutes long or whatever so you know i this is the funny thing about those highlights i kind of look at them and go oh there was so many more sort of things that i would consider a pretty big chance but then you haven't included it for whatever reason um but I still enjoyed the game regardless. In the fir first half, um, though, I think it's uh, important that we mention the centre-backs. Uh, I thought they were quite shaky. They had a couple of moments where it didn't quite, you know, failing to clear the ball and letting Stoke in a little bit. Um, and then they grew into the game, I guess, uh, and were better in the second half. But I, I wasn't, I really wasn't impressed with what I saw in the first half. And, there seems to be a bit of a debate as there probably always is on Twitter and stuff like that. And people seem to really like Balogun, which is fine. Like I think he's quite a capable player, but I think you're kind of burying your head in your sand a little bit. If you thought that that was a perfect performance from them. Um, and I kind of, you know, there was a lot of talk about how important they were to winning at Millwall and how they were probably, you know, the more suitable of our four centre-backs for a game against Millwall. Well, the weekend, I kind of thought this is where I'd quite like to have Dickie and Clark Sorter playing instead. Yeah, I, I, can, I can agree on that somewhat. Um, I thought first half, more so in possession um, against Stokes Press, they forced us long a lot of the time. And it was, I thought it was too easy at times because obviously we had Roberts up top and Let's be honest, Roberts isn't winning an aerial draw against Aidan Flint. Um, 
I thought I, I, there was one moment I remembered that Balogun was a bit shaky in possession. Um, I think I think they had a um, moment where they transitioned on us. Um, I don't know. I, I don't remember them being awful first half. I thought they were. I thought they were right. I thought Dunn was was pretty good to be fair as well as Balogun uh, second half. Uh, but like you said, I wouldn't have them as my um, starting partnership. I think with Balogun, it's probably well, we've got two clean sheets with him. Um, but I think. I think Dickie's obviously a better player for me, um, but he's good. He's good cover, um, and yeah, I mean, if they can keep 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 keeping clean sheets, um, then they they must be doing something right. The only other thing to say about that though is, you know, Stoke were okay, probably better in the first half, but their goal scoring threat significantly dipped in the second, and Millwall were well, really rubbish for the whole game. So like they've played two attacks that haven't really like you know threatened us that much in two games well they threatened us in set pieces didn't they stoke a lot and i think that that kind of i mean i'm not i'm not too sure that dickie's not probably the best of the, the four aerially and i don't think clark's was either so i think i think they had their um their advantages in that sense uh, i get what i get what you're saying though um i still don't think i'd have any of those two as my preferred I mean, you know, like, partnership Dickie and Dunn face Watford and like Middlesbrough, a, a, a much better Middlesbrough in that second half. And, you, you know, I just feel it's just two games. There's no need to read into it too much. But I thought first half they were, um, I wasn't too impressed anyway. Um, the other thing to mention from this game is the halftime substitution. Uh, Dazelle got hooked at halftime. Was this? Was he? You know, he's come up, come back into the side. He's played pretty well recently, um, and he's the one change that we, as we mentioned prior to the game. Was he really that bad, or was this just sort of necessity? He was sort of the worst of a bad bunch and had to be sacrificed to make a change. Uh, I think it, I think to be fair, having watched the uh, press conference after the game, I think Bill said it wasn't anything to do with Dizal's performance. He just needed to switch someone out, and um, you know, Sam Field at the base of that midfield. <clears throat> wow, goodness me, Sam Field at the base of midfield. Um, he's looking a lot better. Um, not that he was bad as a as a eight or a box to box or whatever his role was, but I just think you know he's a bit more natural in that position. That, in my opinion, has kind of coincided with Steph playing like his best football for about nine, ten months. To be honest with you, Steph's looking really good. So it was like, you know, two players that are really in form that have started the season well. Not that Dizelle hasn't started the season well, but I think, you know, in that situation, you, you sacrifice Dizelle over Johansson and Field. Yeah, I completely agree. So that's kind of... Unless you guys have got anything else to uh, cover from the Stoke match, I think we've looked at everything. Anything else you guys wanted to mention? No? Dan? No? No, no, nothing from me. Lovely stuff then. So uh, moving on then, we'll just take a quick look back over the season so far. Is it 10 games that we've played? Feels like it's 10, isn't it? It is 10 games, correct. 10 league games, one cup match. So, so far, so something. one, you know, massive positive this segment of the season 
has been the performances of Ilias Chess, specifically after the Sunderland game and including that game. I really feel like he's sort of he's stepped up and he's kind of leading the leading the side and dragging us forward uh, with much more eye-catching performances than last season. And it reminds me a lot about the things that you talked about, Micah, in your little article about him prior to the season kicking off. So how pleased do you see to see that he's actually sort of, that the promise is actually getting getting somewhere? I'm more pleased about that plug, to be honest, Alec. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's really exciting. Um I think the start of the season was a bit shaky. But one thing that I noticed with him, which maybe hasn't happened in recent years, is that he, even when he hasn't played well, he still managed to get numbers. So I don't think he was at his best against Middlesbrough at home. I think that was more of a, a Willock performance. But I think he's come out that game with two assists. Um, and I might be wrong, but I think he's surpassed his assist total from last season. I think he's got five this season and he got four last season. So you're looking at it and there's less hesitation. There's a bit more conviction. There's a bit more risk taking. Even for the um, done goal, done goal, the done miss, I know it ended up being offside, but, you know, it's come to him on his left foot. A season ago, maybe two seasons ago, maybe he checks back, maybe he cuts into his right. There, was, there, there wasn't much hesitation. Just a quick dig with his left foot into darkness. Gorgeous ball. Dunn should score, but, you know, if he's offside, he's offside. Um, so I'm really excited. I mean, it still looks like he's got another gear that he can get to, to be honest, and he's he's probably been our player of the season thus far, joint with probably Willock. So um, I'm over the moon, to be honest with you. Long, long may it continue. Yeah, uh, I guess the biggest thing for him is with all the breaks and stuff like that in this early part of the season, if he can come back from international duty, and really hit the ground running, unlike when he came back from AFCON last year, then, you know, we're in for a pretty good season with him. Dan, um, how, how do you think Bill sort of got on so far? First uh, 10 games as a football league manager. I'd say, I'd say pretty well. Um, obviously, it's still early days. I think the in terms of the system, I think... It's it's a good stage now. Um, I think it was quite. He did quite well to um, implement it quickly. I know he had he had a, a pre-season, obviously, but it was quite a quite a short one in terms of the amount of games. And I think after that Palace game, we were a bit like not hesitant, but when we played a bit of um, a Premier League opposition, we got beat quite easily. Um, and there was a little bit of maybe worry that not everything was in place, but. No, it's it's been pleasing so far. I think from his point of view, particularly in the game on Saturday, I think it was quite um, pleasing um, in the press co- uh, post-match interview. He, he was quite, um, uh, what's the word, honest about um, being flexible. And I think that's something we wanted a, uh, when we wanted a manager after Warburton. We wanted someone that could be more flexible in situations, um, adapt to opposition teams. Um, and I think we've seen that in particularly in that game, but uh, the back end of a few other games. So I think, if he can be a bit more flexible um, and carry on the way we are, I, I see no reason why we can't um, aim perhaps higher than we thought maybe we, we were going to. Yep, uh, the change at half time from from the weekend is you know something that was that, that's a real big positive. Uh, like you said, he's certainly 
I get I guess he's getting more confident and feels like he's more able to do that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, long may that continue. Uh, quite happy to see him make proactive substitutions rather than wait sort of to 60 minutes. If it's not working, it just isn't working. So um, going into October, seven games to play. Bristol City, Sheffield United, Reading, Luton, Cardiff, Wigan and Birmingham. Micah, what are you expecting from these games? It's going to be a little tougher, I think, especially with the fact that the games are pretty much Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for pretty much the whole of October. Bristol City will be interesting. They've had they've had a bit of a, a mixed start. That's that's a decent side. We all know what Mackie Wells is capable of. And then and then Sheffield United, that would be a real big test for us. You know, we've already gone to Watford and won. So we, we might feel like, you know, we we have a right to go there and, you know, play on our terms and hold our own. So it'll be interesting to see that. Um and we also, and I know I keep mentioning them, but I am fascinated by Reading's season so far. That's so like to, game, to get to play them is going to be interesting. You also really have um, the gift of six points or at least three points in this game from Nathan Jones and Luton. Um, <laughs> we might need those three points by then based off um, the amount of games. Um, but it'll be interesting because I think Amos will be back. And I think obviously he played one game, but I thought Amos looked really good against Middlesbrough. You know, yeah. I think... I think he gives us that little bit extra legs in midfield. Um, and obviously Clark Salter and Taylor Richards to come back. So um, it'll, be, it'll be a tougher month, I think. But um, I think we're better equipped for it than we were the first two months. Yeah. And the other one to sort of just note at the end of the month is Birmingham as well. They seem to be under John Eustace. Slightly turning a corner, beating West Brom as well. A pretty impressive result for them. Um, I know, obviously, we are missing, like you mentioned, Amos, and he'll be back soon. Uh, Dickie and Dunn, uh, sorry, no, Dickie and Clark Salter and Richards as well. But from the weekend, I just kind of thought that the bench looked a little bit uh, light in terms of sort of an actual game-changing, I don't want to say talent because that's the wrong word, but a game-changing player. Armstrong not included on the bench in the last two games. Bond's come back in. So that's not worked out as much as most fans would have hoped. Um, Dan, are we missing something off the bench? Yeah, I'm looking, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Taylor Richards. I think he's that game changer for me. Um, I've watched him a couple of times last uh, season before this one. Uh, really impressive what I've seen. I think he's a different profile and he, carry, he can carry the ball. We we saw briefly at Blackburn. Obviously, he was getting up to speed, but he looked he looked sharpish. Um, and he's that more of a chair Willock type where they can get on the ball, and make something happen. I think I think keep him fit and he could be big for us. Um, I, on the Armstrong thing, I'm not too worried about that. I think it was quite smart to put him in the under twenty ones or whatever, get him a few goals, get him a bit of confidence back because he has he has missed some fairly big chances. At, um, at senior level, um, and I imagine he's kicking himself for that. Um, and I, there's there's a too much hype around him for me still. Uh, I think Twitter went crazy after he scored a hat trick. Uh, apparently, he's the new answer to our striker uh, problem or whatever. So, yeah, no, Taylor Richards is the one for me, and um, Armstrong. I think we need to bed him in slowly still. Yeah, well, that striker debate will rage on, uh, and I'm sure we'll all be really interested in it. 
by the time it reaches to January, we won't be utterly sick of it. Uh, so we've run out of things to talk about this week. Uh, the last thing I'll say, I guess, is that we have finished this first part of the season in sixth place. And, you know, that is very, very handy indeed. Who would have thought after that first game against Blackburn, which was pretty, I'm not going to say dire, but a bit, bit of a sludge, that we've ended up uh, sixth place going into the first international break. So, yeah, very handy indeed. And there's plenty of positive signs uh, so yeah, hopefully more of that to come. In terms of what we'll be doing over the next couple of days, uh, well, we hopefully will have something for you next Monday. Uh, so keep an eye on your podcast feed for that, and of course subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, uh, and give us a review as well if you are able to. All of us are on Twitter. We've all uh, written stuff, I guess, recently. You can go back and read. Micah's thoughts on Ilya's chair from earlier on in the season. You can go and read Dan. Dan, what was your latest article? Quickly. Um, the Swansea review, I think. Yeah, Swansea, Swansea review. So no, you it's can not go really in... relevant now. I mean, it's not relevant, but if you like reading tactical analysis, then there's, I don't know, quite a few words on tactical analysis for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, follow all of us on Twitter. It's the easiest way to catch whatever we're doing in terms of writing stuff and follow our generation on Twitter as well. So uh, with nothing else to plug, with no games to come next week, I'd like to say thank you to Micah and Dan for joining me on this podcast. Uh, thank you to all you listeners for listening. And until next time, come on, you ass. <laughs>